Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Hey everyone, welcome to the Heme Consults Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Unwemena. I'm a hematologist, physician, scientist, educator, entrepreneur, and I am a coach. And today's episode is called Create Peace. Yes, that episode again is Create Peace. And the theme scripture for this episode is John chapter 15, verse 13. And yes, that is from the Judeo-Christian scriptures. So I want to start first of all by telling you, O woman of color in hematology, that when you think about the greatest gift you will ever bring to the earth, that gift, O woman of color in hematology, is you. Yes, you heard me say it. You heard me say it. The greatest gift you will bring to the world, O woman of color in hematology, is you. Now let's pause and consider that because you might be thinking, wait a minute, it was my mother that brought me into this world. Therefore, she gave the world the greatest gift. And I'm going to say again, no. But the greatest gift you will bring into the world is the gift of you. Because the version your mother brought forth into the world is not the version that will transform the world. The version that transforms the world is the version of you that you create. Now here's the thing. You've been creating this version for some time. But I need to tell you that the version of you that is the gift to the world is still in progress. And actually, for some of you, it may even be stalled because you have come to settle for whatever version of you currently exists. And I just want to tell you, oh, woman of color in hematology, that the greatest gift you are bringing to this world is the new version of you that will be birthed through the transformation that you allow yourself to experience. You've been through many transformations. You are not the same person you were a year ago. You are probably not the same person you were yesterday. But I need to tell you that you've got to embrace the transformation you're experiencing. And if for whatever reason you are stalled in your transformation, it is time to unstall and start moving forward. Because you are creating a gift that will transform the world. You are creating a gift that will shake all of humanity. But the gift only comes forth if you allow it to be. If you stop resisting the pull of the transformation and you allow it to take a hold of you. Because the version of you that is coming, O woman of color and hematology, is incredible. And I don't want you to hold back. And I don't want you to believe the lie that you've already peaked or you've already done all that you can or you've already become all that you can be. 
because, sister, you ain't seen nothing yet, and you know that there is so much more to you. And I need to let you know, in the words of Delta, the world has been waiting, and we are waiting for you. <laughs> Woman of color in hematology, there is no greater gift than the gift of you. And I hope that you will not deny us the gift that is you. Please do not deny us the gift that is you. Let's move on to today's episode, which is called Create Peace. And the story I want to share is a story when my life was not at peace. <laughs> I laugh because I have peace now. And the peace I have, I have it not because somebody gifted it to me, because I went out and got it. So I will share, and I've shared many times. When I first started 10 years ago now, as a faculty member in hematology, you know, my life was all kinds of chaos for many reasons, for many reasons. So I started my faculty job pregnant with my second child. And there was a lot of guilt associated with that pregnancy. Because you know what? How could I be starting a new job and be about to go on maternity leave? I definitely had that just playing on in my mind. You just started and you're going to go out on maternity leave. Who do you think you are? (laughs) And why do you think this is okay? And everywhere I looked, I was sure people were looking at me whispering, saying the woman who started a new job and immediately is going out on maternity leave. So yeah, there was all sorts of guilt associated with that. And so what did I do? I worked super hard so I could prove to everybody that I was a hard-working pregnant woman. And boy, was it hard. So you know there are people who are pregnant and they look super cute and they wear super cute shoes and they wear super cute clothes. I was not that kind of pregnant woman. I was the kind of pregnant woman who looked like one big roly-poly ball. And in fact, I had someone say to me one day, you look like you're about to pop. (laughs) I looked like the kind of roly-poly ball that if you just put a pin in it, she would just explode. Yes, I didn't make this up. Somebody told it to me. And I have to tell you that it was hard moving from point A to point B. I was one of those pregnant women who put on, how many pounds did I put on? At least 70 pounds during my pregnancy. I think the recommendation is 15 to 20 pounds. I put on 70. I couldn't breathe. And I finally got to the point one day where I actually went to the parking office and I said, I can no longer make it from my parking spot to my office. I need a spot closer. I mean, I I was desperate. I was so desperate. I was like, I need a new spot because I can't do this anymore. And you know what they did for me? They gave me a handicapped parking spot. They, they did. They were like, well, okay, if you can't make it, we'll give you the handicapped parking spot. And I parked in a handicapped parking spot for at least a couple of months of my pregnancy. I was just that deconditioned as a pregnant woman. I was just not cute at all. And here I was seeing patients five days a week and keeping up at nights and on weekends, just trying to make ends meet. I couldn't finish my notes. Charting is a problem. It's always been a problem um, for some reason. And now it's no longer a problem, but it used to be. And I was just always, always going, always going. And then the baby was born. The baby was born. 
And this was a really special baby, still is, no longer a baby. But she was the kid who wouldn't take a bottle. And so at the time we started trying to give her the bottle, I had a trip planned to D.C. And by the way, I had not bought a ticket for her. But it became obvious to me when she wouldn't drink from the bottle that we were going on this trip together. And so at the last minute, fortunately, you know, it doesn't cost extra to carry a baby in arms on a plane. And at the last minute, I called the airline and I got a ticket for this child so that we could be on the same plane and go to D.C. together because she was not going to drink from a bottle. And then I bought a ticket from my mother so my mother could follow me and we could try to figure out how we could care for this baby while I was attending a two-day workshop in Washington, D.C. So while the conference was going on, every time there was a 15-minute break, I left the conference, walked 10 minutes to the hotel to feed this baby. And then it was lunchtime and I left the conference and walked to the hotel to feed this baby. So when you do the math, it took me 10 minutes from the from where we were having the conference to where the hotel was. So I was late every time. And what's interesting, <laughs> a conference participant who was always late returning from break was clearly noticed by other people. And so recently I went back to D.C. to the same facility and someone said, I remember you were nursing when you were here last. And I have to tell you, it's one of those comments where you just want the floor to open up and you want to enter into it because it was like, yeah, I was. It was so obvious, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's just say my life was ruled by my baby, which, you know, it's not the craziest thing in the world. It tends to happen. But there I was having this kind of crazy situation where literally my baby and I had to go everywhere together, including traveling for conferences. And I was trying to make ends meet at work. And so why is it that when people at work would say, Dr. Nwemina, we need you here for the 630 meeting that's so urgent and important. Why is it that I would jump and be like, of course, I'll be there and then try to make it happen? Why is it that they would call me and say, Dr. Nwemina, we need you to do this presentation at 730 a.m.? And I would say, yes, I'll be there. Why was I volunteering as the superwoman who couldn't get her life together? Now, I have to tell you that we have times and seasons in our lives when things don't work like they're supposed to. So for me, it was a second baby. But for you, it might be a sick family member. You've acquired a new business. You've acquired something new. A new situation in your life, maybe an illness that throws your life into chaos. And it's okay because these experiences happen. But when you ignore that or you pretend it does not exist and people ask you for things and you don't say no, then that means that you're going to have a chaotic life. And who do you blame? Who do you blame for that? Do you blame the baby? In my case, do you blame the illness? Do you blame your parent who's sick? Do you blame the new dog that came into the family? You have to decide that. And for me, to be honest, I blame the baby. Because for many years after that, I would say this baby was a hard baby. And that wasn't fair to this child. It wasn't fair to her. Because, you know, honestly, she didn't invite herself. We kind of sort of did. Yeah, you know what I mean? I just, we, she, she just kind of didn't come on her own. <laughs> And so for me to stop and say, oh, this baby was a difficult baby, 
was wrong. Because you know what? There was a major change in my life. And I needed to acknowledge that there was a major change and I needed to tailor my life in respect to this change. But what I did was I ignored it. I said, oh no, I'm perfectly like everybody else who's not having a baby or doesn't have a young person in their house at this time who doesn't sleep at night, who doesn't drink from the bottle, who somehow is always crying. I didn't, I didn't acknowledge that. And I didn't put it front and center. Now, it doesn't have to be everybody's business. Nobody has to know that my baby has to travel with me everywhere because she wasn't drinking milk. Nobody has to know that. However, when they say, Dr. Nwemina, we want you to show up to the meeting that starts at 6.30 p.m., guess whose agency it is to say, um, I could do that maybe three months from now, but I cannot do that today. But I didn't do that because I was new on the job and I'm trying to impress everybody. And who says I needed to impress everybody? Because to be honest, I wasn't impressing anybody. When I showed up at 6.30 and I was bleary-eyed and falling asleep on the back row, I was not impressing anybody. It would have been better that I wasn't there and they could just imagine that, oh, she must be super busy, rather than that they could see me falling asleep during the meeting that they told me I needed to be at. Or who did I impress when I showed up late to the conference and, you know, I'm the first speaker, but I'm late because I'm just running from having pumped and I didn't make it in time. And that day, the person actually snapped at me and I left, having given the talk, I left that room and I started crying. I remember that so clearly. I was trying so hard. (laughs) And the end result was that really life was chaos. And it really took me eventually just acknowledging that, hey, this is the life I have right now. And you know what? It doesn't matter that people want me showing up for meetings at 6.30. And it doesn't matter that they want me giving talks at 7.30 a.m. What matters is who I am. And what matters is how I can show up in the world right now. And one of the most important things I did, eventually, it took me a long time. And I have to tell you, the baby was more than a year or two old when I finally got it together was I acknowledged my place in life, the the situations that were going on in that moment. And I said, hey, enough. This is how I can show up. This is what I can do. This is what I can give you. And really, one of my go-to words became no. Like a, you know, a kid in the terrible twos. No became my go-to word. No, I cannot give that talk at 7.30, but I can give a talk at 9 a.m., If you want to reschedule the conference or call me to a different conference. Oh, I am so glad that your meeting starts at 6.30 p.m. But I will not be there. I will listen to the minutes. Please be sure to send it to me. And I started taking ownership of my own world, acknowledging the challenges I was living with at that time and not allowing other people to dictate my experience. All right, I'm going to end the story there. I'm going to share a couple of lessons that I learned from my own story. And lesson number one is that the most important intervention you will ever do. You know when people talk about, oh, there's an intervention, there's an intervention. Yes, the most important intervention that you will ever do, you will ever carry out, is the intervention you do on yourself. Mm. And say that one more time. 
the most important intervention that you will ever do is the intervention you carry out on yourself. I was a new mother with a baby who I was having difficulty mothering, (laughs) in all honesty. And instead of acknowledging that and helping people adjust their expectations appropriately, I pretended it wasn't happening. And I was like, of course, oh yeah, I'll be there. Oh yeah, count me in. Oh yeah, I'll do this. But why? Who was I trying to impress? And that's the problem. I wasn't impressing anybody. (laughs) I was impressing nobody. And really what I needed was an intervention. I needed someone to sit me down and say, hey, 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 Toyosi, hey, hey, you just had a baby. And you're finding this particularly challenging with starting a new job. You should take a chill pill and you should adjust things so that they work for you. And that was the intervention that I needed. And you know, I did, I did experience the intervention. I, I am a better person for the intervention I experienced. I take ownership of my life right now rather than letting life, you know, kind of toss me whatever way it wants to. But it was such an important intervention, and it's an intervention that I think should have happened much earlier. But you know what? All that matters is that eventually there was an intervention. And to be honest, there have been many interventions in my life since then. Because all of life is adjusting to the circumstances in front of you and managing the expectations of the people who have expectations of you. Yes, I can see patients, but my first appointment will start at 9.15 a.m. Ooh, that means you're going to have to be here till 3.15. So be it. And I get that everybody likes to start seeing patients at 7 a.m., but I will not be doing that. Because you know what? I have agency. I have agency. And if I want to show up in my world the best possible, then I have to adjust. I have to adjust other people's expectations so that I can show up as the best version of me. And so it was a really important intervention that needed to happen in my life for me to stop and say, hey, This is my season of life, and this is the way things work in the season. And a season is coming, and actually is now, where the baby is no longer a baby, and I can do things differently. Okay, now I can show up for your 7.30 a.m. talk. But until that season comes, I recognize the season that I am in, and I make sure that I adjust other people's expectations so that they don't expect me to do what other people who don't have young babies in that moment to do. I'm the one who creates that intervention not other people. And that brings me to lesson number two. Nobody is in charge of my experience. I am. You know what? It was hard. (laughs) It was one of the hardest times of my life. Starting a new job pregnant, being that roly-poly person who really was short of breath most of the time, and then having the baby and coming back to work and trying to fit in as if a baby was not just born. Holy cow, it's rough. <laughs> and all that time, I cried in corners. I cried in different spaces. I was sad a lot. I blamed the baby. But I was in charge all along of managing my experience. I was in charge. I was responsible. And if you had been there at that time, I was getting mad at all sorts of people. But I was the one in charge of leading my experience. And I 
abdicated my responsibility to who I don't even know who I thought was in charge, but I was all along. I was. And you know what? It wasn't until I finally decided that, wait a minute, I'm the one, I'm the one leading this experience that I could really take ownership of it. I think I was afraid. I was afraid that people would say I wasn't really, you know, working hard enough. I was afraid that people would say, oh, because she has a baby, she's not putting in everything. And maybe they would have said that, but who cares? What was really important is that there's a very defined set of productivity metrics for every physician in my practice to meet, right? Whether that is my educational mission, whether that is my research mission, whether that is my clinical mission, there is a defined set of productivity metrics. There is no law about exactly how it needs to happen and where it needs to happen and when it needs to happen. There are some boundaries to it, but I'm able to shape it and make it work for me. And I had agency to do that all along, but fear kept me from doing that. And instead, I showed up half of myself. I showed up not my best self, trying to make people happy and instead disappointing people every time. Because you know what? If I had told them I will be late for the 7.30 a.m. talk, and they wouldn't have asked me to give the talk. They would have said, let's give you a couple of months. But I said, no, I'm going to do it. And then I did it poorly. If they had known that I would be sleeping in the back row during the mandatory meeting, maybe they would have said to Yossi, we'll just record the meeting and you can watch it when you're awake. I don't know what they would have done. But I had the opportunity to lead my experience and you know what? I did a poor job of it. And that is not to blame me and that is not to shame myself, but it's just to say that I wish I had known better because you know what? I would have had a more enjoyable experience in those first few months to a year of mothering my child and other people would have had a better experience of me because I would have only come out of the woodworks when I was ready. I wouldn't have come out as a disheveled person that I mostly, I mostly kept showing up as a disheveled person, someone who couldn't get it together. People were yelling at me. Oh my goodness. I mean, they shouldn't have been. Nobody should ever yell at you, but they thought they could. And I didn't tell them that they couldn't because somehow I was trying to impress people. So no one is in charge of my experience. I am. And lesson number three that I want to share with you is that you know what? There's nobody to blame. There really isn't. You know, I grew up in a world where you always found someone to blame. And to be honest, it kind of is the world we live in. And I was always looking. And you know who I blamed? I blamed the baby. Oh, the baby. She's a hard baby. She doesn't sleep baby. This is a baby who doesn't drink milk baby. I had a lot of people to blame. And as long as I was blaming someone else, ooh, I couldn't find the person who was responsible for making change happen. Because you know who I wasn't blaming? I was not blaming myself. Actually, I don't know if I should have been blaming myself even then. Because there is nobody to blame. It just is. I don't know why the baby came at this time. I don't know why she's not sleeping. It's just, it just is. And so deal with it. I don't know why your mom is sick right now, but she is sick and you do need to address it. I don't know why the rescue found a, a dog right this moment after you've been waiting for one for a couple of months. I don't know, but it is. 
And as long as you are looking for someone to blame, you are not taking ownership of your power to change your situation. And no, the baby was here to stay. I wasn't going to send the baby away. But I had the power to adjust my expectations and to adjust my experience. And I didn't do that. No one is to blame. But I have the power to change my experience by taking ownership and by taking responsibility. So, from these three lessons, what are my calls to action for you? I want to ask you to think about your current career experience. And think about the fact that your career experience right now is actually impacted by the circumstances that are going on in your regular life. And it's okay, your life is your life. But I want you to audit and ask yourself, who are you blaming for the way things are? Maybe someone is sick. Maybe you're, you're injured. Maybe you're, you're, you're the one who's sick. Who are you blaming? Are you blaming God? Because you know, he's a favorite of people when it comes to blaming. Who are you blaming? Audit your experience. And then think about what can you do to take responsibility? What can you do to just acknowledge the fact that it is what it is right now? The situation I am in is the situation I am in right now. What can you do? To take ownership of your experience, to say, I'm going to stop blaming and I'm going to do something about my experience. You may not be able to change what's going on right now, but what can you do? What can you do to make your experience right now better? The second thing I want to ask you to do is to transform your experience. And I want you to transform your experience by renewing your mind. See, I was so guilt-ridden. I really was. I was that faculty member that showed up pregnant. And I felt really bad about it. But why? <laughs> and I really needed to step into a different framework. Granted, it took me, it took me a couple of years. But to stop and say, I don't need to apologize for being pregnant. I don't need to apologize for having a baby who can be challenging to take care of in this moment. I needed to transform the way I thought about my experience so that I could take ownership of it. And I'm inviting you to do the same. How do you need to reframe your situation? Maybe you are dealing with an illness. How do you need to reframe it so that you can take ownership of your experience? And some of that is to stop Change the way you talk about it. Change the way you show up. Stop showing up as the victim because you know what? You are not a victim. You've never been a victim. But you remain a victim as long as you decide that you are. So even though you are not, you remain the victim because you've decided that you are a victim. And so part of what you need to do, and I'm asking you to do, I'm calling you to do, is to change the way you think so that your experience can be transformed. And what you're waiting for is for the circumstance to change, but it's not changing. You are the one who needs to change. And that's what brings me to call to action number three. 
Remember I said at the beginning, a woman of color in hematology, that you are the gift to the world that we are waiting for? The only way we get that gift is for this version of you to go away. And that is called to action number three. I'm asking you to die to this version of yourself so that the best version of you can be born. Because the version we have now is pretty cool, but there's a bigger, better, more amazing version that's waiting to be born, but that version doesn't come unless this version of you goes away. And I'm asking you to bury this current version so that the next version can come forward. I'm going to say that again. I'm asking you to die to this version of yourself because the best version of you is waiting, is waiting to come forward. But it can't come forward until you accept that the current version needs to go. And I'm not sure there's much more to say beyond that. But I want to share with you, a woman of color in hematology, that these are the steps we need. These are the steps that we need you to take so that the best version of you can come out. Because you know what? As long as your life is in chaos, as long as there is not peace in your mind, in your life, as long as there's not alignment between your life experience right now and the experience you bring to your career, we don't get the best version of you. We don't get the best version of you. As long as you are hurriedly showing up in the morning, not together because your best time for showing up is at 9 a.m., but people insist it must be 6 a.m. As long as you are continuing to do that chaotic thing of trying to match other people's expectations, you're trying to match your life to them instead of molding them to match you, as long as you are doing this crazy thing, gosh, you are not showing up as the best version of you for sure. As long as you are looking at yourself and you are hating yourself or blaming the world, goodness, you are not showing up as the best version of you. And the best version of you is the version we need because that is the version that transforms the world. We need the best version of you. And I want to ask you to please create peace in your world, create alignment between who you are and how you show up in this world so that version can come full. I think I will say that 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 is the end of this podcast episode. I want to ask you if this episode touched you in any way, if it was meaningful to you, if it was important to you, if, if the story resonated with you, I want to ask you to please share it because someone else needs to hear this. And yes, they may not be a woman of color in hematology. I'm okay with that. Somebody else needs to hear this, and I'm asking you to share it. And then the second thing I want to ask you is, you know what, if you're there, and you're looking for someone to help you make that transformation, you're looking for someone to help coach you through the chaos that is in your life into a place of peace, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to reach out to me to be your coach. And I want to say that, you know, I'm only coaching for a short period of time. This is my season where I'm coaching people and coaching individuals. And then I'm going to go to group coaching. If for whatever reason this resonates with you and you're like, Teosi, can I work with you so that you can help me make this transformation? Be willing to do that. Let's talk about it. 
let's schedule a discovery call so we can see if it makes sense for us to do. And how can you find me? I am on Facebook, Toyosi.unlimina. I'm also on LinkedIn, Toyosi.unlimina. I'm on Instagram as Coag Coach, and I'm on YouTube as Coag Coach. And I would just say, come find me. And let's talk about how we can help you make the transformation that's necessary for you to create peace in your world so that people can get the best of you. Because, oh my goodness, we are waiting. We are waiting. We are waiting. And I hope you will not keep us waiting for much longer. (sighs) A woman of color in hematology, you are the greatest gift the world will ever know. But only if you decide to gift yourself to us. And we, we are waiting. We are waiting. All right, that's the end of today's episode. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. And I look forward to talking with you again soon.